Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Now, I don't know about you, but I am someone who, over the years, has grown to love the month of September, okay? Anyone else? Lover of September? A few people? Yeah, you're not really sure where I'm going yet, so you're a bit dubious about whether you want to put your hand up. One of the things I love about September is because everything starts up again after the summer. I just love that. I mean, you get to kind of almost brief focus on things, take stock, kind of get ready for the months ahead. A bit like a fresh start, really. You know, and, and I think maybe you're like me, but like everything kind of goes to pot over August. Do you have that? Where you just like routines, everybody's away on holiday. There has, there's this attitude of, I was like, ah, it doesn't matter, it's August. Nothing ever happens in August. There's a little bit of that. And then it's like, okay, September comes, and I'm very much like, come on, right, let's get my life sorted out again. I'm going to get routines sorted out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to that. Anyone like that with September? No. Mark Biles, that's it. Okay. Mark, I'll, we'll, we'll just hang out. We'll just chat. Never leave everyone else. Yeah. I'm very much a, right, get going. I love, love getting restarted again. And I think probably for some people, there is, a, like, I know January's very much a get started again, but I think September as well. And I think for some people, September can be a, right, let's get back into, into exercising time. I was, I was looking online, and apparently, September is the second biggest sales month for gyms in the UK. So obviously, January is number one, but September is... Number two, so they make a lot of money in September because everyone's like, right, I'm back from holidays, I'm getting back in, I'm going to exercise. But yeah, there's loads of things that we, that, you know, that we, we, we start again in September. You know, some people can be like, oh, I'm finally going to start eating better or, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear out the garage. Like, and I know this happens because the first week of September, I was talking to Marlise and I said, what did you do yesterday? Oh, I cleared out the garage, finally, you know, it's that new start kind of thing. Now for me, now... You might be able to empathize with this or maybe you might just think I'm a bit weird. But for me, what I always do in September, start of September, get my journal out and I'll write down my hopes for the year. You know, what I will hope for the year. I mean, some of them are pretty basic, like survive, you know, get through, you know, get to the other end of it. But there are some things, okay, I'm hoping for this or I'm hoping for that. Um, And then also I put down, and this is where you might think I'm weird, habits I want to develop over the year. Mm, yeah, this is Andy planning. So one of my, I'll share a few of my habits I want to develop. I say habits to develop. It's, it's kinder than, you know, habits I'm going to do, you know, because I've developed them. I can, fall, I can fail a bit, but still kind of try and develop them. So a few of the habits I've wanted to put in this year, I've put in my little journal in September, is to stop eating crisps. That's it. No more. Well, I just, I just, it just, it was just an idea. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to eat crisps. And I've got nothing against crisps. And I haven't eaten crisps in September. Yeah, it's, it's, that's it. Another thing, another one of my little habits to develop is I've decided to not have food after my evening meal in the evening. Apart from special occasions, no food after meal. Just I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to develop this habit, see how we go. Now, I'm not a New Year's resolutions guy. I'm not even a person who does much for Lent. But when it comes to September, I'm all about developing a few new habits. Also, another habit, I'm going to start running again on Sunday evenings. Some of the guys who've been running, we didn't do it over the summer, and we've started again, another habit. And then one other habit I've decided to develop on, in September is no phone before quiet time in the morning. 
which, and that is, that is, that is, that's hard work, you know, don't turn your phone on, don't look at it before you've had your quiet time in the morning. So those are some of my little habits I've developed. Now, maybe you've done something similar September, maybe you're just thinking, you're a bit weird, Andy, no, I have not. But for most of us, September is a bit of a time to refocus on what's important. And that's been the aim of our current sermon series, uh, Manchester to the Ends of the Earth, which we've been doing over the last three weeks, which is really to refocus on what is important. And in the, this morning, the third and final sermon in the series, I want us to refocus our attention back on, on what our lives are all about, which is the gospel. Our lives are all about the gospel. Now, before we move on, gospel can sometimes be a bit of a jargony term. We all agree that it's a good thing and we all go yeah for it, but sometimes we just need a clarification of what it is. So I'm just going to read a brief clarification of what the gospel is, just so we're clear, and then we'll move on, okay? So the gospel is the good news that, actually, no, let's say it together. Can we do that? Is that all right? Let's say it together. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. And that's the gospel, and that's what our lives are all about, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And that's what this series has been about these last three weeks, seeing the impact of the gospel in people's lives. And all three passages that we've looked at over these last three weeks, Philip and the Ethiopian, which was Acts chapter 8, and then Saul's conversion last week, Acts chapter 9, and the passage we're going to look at today in Acts 10, which is Peter and Cornelius, they all show us the significance, how incredibly significant it is that non-Jews, us, can now be welcomed into the family of God. And we're testament to that being a thing because we're all here. You know, we are believers, we're followers of God. And this is a huge deal because what this tells us is that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone, not just a select few. But what I think is is special about today's passage, and we're going to get into it in a bit, is that, yeah, we, we see the gospel go out and it reaches this Roman centurion called Cornelius and his family, and they become part of God's new people. They become Christians, believers, and that's great. And we're like, yes, fantastic story. And we'll read it and we'll be like, yeah, great. But what we also see, we also see that the gospel is also it's not just for those who aren't yet saved. The gospel is also for those who are already actually preaching the gospel. The gospel is also for people who are believers. The gospel is also for us. And what I love about this passage is that we see Peter, who has been one of Jesus' closest friends during his time on earth. And he's been preaching the gospel for a while now. And he's been doing it. And he's done Pentecost. And loads of people got saved. And it's great. But now in Acts 10, we see his understanding of the gospel deepen. He learns something new, something that he hadn't anticipated. And that's why we can say this morning that the gospel truly is for everyone. Because you know what so often happens when we preach on a Sunday and we throw in the term gospel, most of us all here, and I'm putting myself in the same boat, we all kind of go, yeah, I know that. 
you know, you kind of, you get the glazy eyes. Yeah, I know the gospel. I, you know, I, I've trusted in Jesus a long time ago. Yeah, died on the cross for my sins. Got that, nailed that, have that down. And we kind of can, can glaze out and stop listening. But actually, what I want to say is the gospel for everyone, including us, including Christians, okay? Even those who have been Christians for a long time. It's for those who have never heard about Jesus and for those of us who already know Jesus and those of us who are kind of somewhere in between and aren't quite sure where they're at. The gospel is for everyone, okay? It's for everyone, including Christians, including us, okay? So let's not check out this morning when we're talking about the gospel, you know? Like, think about it. Peter thought he knew everything he needed to know about the gospel. And then in this passage you see this morning, God blows his mind by showing him that the gospel is going to go to non-Jews. And he's like, whoa, I'd never saw this before. And as, so as Christians, I don't want us to build a brick wall around our hearts to the gospel because we think, look, I know it already. I've got that. I've nailed that. I've got that. Okay? Okay, so let's, we're going to preach this sermon on the gospel. And I don't want us to just, you know, power down. You know, ooh, right. you know I've got that. We're going, to, we're going to focus in. Let's keep our, our eyes open to what God might do to deepen our understanding of the gospel this morning. I've said the same thing like 16 ways, so hopefully you've got it where I'm going, all right? So let's look at the passage. The passage starts with Cornelius, a Roman centurion who has this vision from God, and in the vision he's told to find Peter, this guy Peter, and bring him to his house. So he sends his men to Joppa to find Peter for him. And then we pick it up in verse 9. It says this, about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to this house so that, you would hear, so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. And then we see that the next day, Peter travels to see Cornelius, and Cornelius explains the whole situation to Peter. And then Peter starts to tell the crowd who'd gathered at Cornelius' house, because when Cornelius found Peter's coming, he's like, he got all his friends and relatives, he got them all there. And Peter starts to tell them all about the gospel. And then we see verse 34, says this, Then Peter began to speak, and after he saw all this, he says this really key line. In the whole Bible. It says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Then verse 36 continues. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace 
through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses to everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even among the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. What an amazing passage. I mean, just for the supernatural working of God and the visions and all matching up, you're like, wow. But what I love about this passage is the journey that God takes Peter on in this chapter, like where he starts and where he ends at the end of this chapter. He has this powerful vision from God, which completely challenges his worldview. And while he's wondering about the meaning of the vision, he learns that God's also given this guy Cornelius a vision too, and that God wants him to go to Cornelius' house to share the gospel with him, which, by the way, was not allowed back then. Jews were not allowed to go to the houses of non-Jews back then. That was forbidden. But Peter goes anyway because he can see that God is behind this. And then eventually Peter puts two and two together and he's like, whoa, okay, I've had the vision. Cornelius had the vision. God's clearly behind this. And he realizes what we see, that key verse in verse 35, he realizes how true it is that God does not show favoritism, verse 35, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then on top of it all, after he shared the gospel with Cornelius and all of his house, they receive the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. And that is the real like mouth dropping to the floor moment for Peter, where he is like flipping heck. I don't know if I can say flipping heck in a sermon, but I just did. Flipping heck. What has just happened here? We have, we have got non-Jews, non-Jewish people who have just received Christ being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. He's like, oh my goodness, this is real. This has happened. And he's like, yeah, I'm convinced. Which is why in verse 47, he says, surely no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized. Just amazing, isn't it? Fantastic. So we see how over the course of this chapter, Peter grasps that the gospel is for everyone, not just for Jews. And this means there's no longer any division between Jews and non-Jews. And he now sees that through Jesus, God was, was creating this new people that wasn't marked by purity laws from the Old Testament, or wasn't marked from like who your parents were, or natural descent, or anything like that, but was marked by faith in Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what Peter came to see, and he's like, yes! And, you know, this isn't officially said in the end of the chapter, but I think he was basically like whoa, I get it now, God. 
That's not in there, but that's just my interpretation of how Peter would have been reacting to this whole thing. Now, you might all be sitting here thinking, okay, that's good, Andy. That's good for us. The gospel's gone to the Gentiles. I'll be honest with you, I already knew that because I am a believer and I am not Jewish. So, you know, that's not news to me. So, but, you know, what does this mean for us as CCM Heatons? What does this mean for us here 2,000 years after that happened? Well, the thing I want us to take from this this morning is for us to be open to our perspectives to being challenged by God. I want us to be open to our perspectives, our worldviews to be challenged by God. Okay? Now, Peter was one of the most prominent preachers of his time. He was... He was the big dog, if you like. I mean, he'd spent three years with Jesus. He'd been personally commissioned by Jesus. He was was the guy who knew his stuff. You know, so if anyone back then could have been like, I've got the gospel nailed. I know what this is all about. It was Peter. Yet even with Peter, God challenges his perspective. And the result for Peter was a much deeper understanding of the gospel. The fact that he realized, no, no, this is not just for Jews. This is for non-Jews. This is for everyone. The gospel for everyone. Wow, God blew his mind. Now, it's not like up to this point, though, that the, the gospel that Peter had been preaching in Acts 2 and in Acts 3 and in Acts 4 and Acts 9, it's not that that was wrong. But what's beautiful about Acts 10 is that we see how Jesus reveals a whole new facet to the gospel that was always there, but Peter just hadn't seen it before. You know, up to this point, Peter had been all about Jews, 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 Jews. Let's find where there's Jewish people. Let's tell them about Jesus. But God comes in and says, oh, hold on. There's all this stuff about the Old Testament, about all nations. This is for all nations. You've not seen this. He's like, yeah, wow. And and I think the challenge for us here, who most of us who already know the gospel, you know, we, we, we've heard it before, we've accepted it, we believe it. The challenge for us is to continue to grow in it, not to kind of take it and put it in a drawer and be like, got, that, got my ticket in my pocket, we'll meet my maker one day in heaven. To not just stick it in a drawer, but to continue to grow in the gospel, to see things we haven't seen before. And that's so much more amazing to be able to do that, to see the gospel, the depth of the gospel. Now, what do I mean by growing in our understanding of the gospel? Well, I I think growing in our understanding of the gospel involves a few things. Firstly, it involves growing in a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and his teachings and the life he led. Okay, Just this last week, I've been uh, reading a book on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, Elizabeth read it. Uh, She often reads books before me and says, this is good, you should read it, so that's why I'm reading it. Um, But it's it's this book of the Sermon on the Mount, and basically the book says, look, the Sermon on the Mount, the reason we should do this stuff is not primarily because it's like the right thing to do. It is, but what Jesus is saying is the Sermon on the Mount, this is the way to live a flourishing life. This This is the way to live your best life ever. You know, blessed is the poor in spirit. This is is the way to live the best life you can live. And I was like, wow, that's a totally different way of looking at it and approaching it. It's really helped me. 
You know, so actually growing in our understanding of the gospel involves growing in a deeper understanding of Jesus and who he is and his teachings, like the Sermon on the Mount and the life he led. It also involves growing in a deeper understanding of who God is and wrestling with the, the things we find difficult or the things we don't totally understand about God. Many of us, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, many of us have been doing the Bible in two years. I, I, I do have fun talking to people. I know, how's it going? And you just get a number of how many days they are behind. Um, but yeah, but it's been great to kind of go through that. Now, I have, I, I'm not going to boast, but I, I'm on track. So just going <laughs> to say that. Uh, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, if you are also on track, you will have just got through numbers and Deuteronomy. And there's a lot of killing in there. A lot of killing. When you're having a quiet time, there's a lot of death. And you're, you, sometimes you're reading this and you're like, wow, what's going on here? But when we do that, when we get stuck into God's word and try and understand him deeper, that there's, a, there's, there's a growth that occurs there when we deal with those questions and we grapple with them. And, and for me, when I'm reading that stuff, it forces me to read. It forces me to think. It forces me to ask questions about what's happening here. And that causes me to grow in a deeper understanding of God. But growing in our understanding of the gospel also involves growing in a deeper understanding of who we are as humans and how flawed and needy we are. Now, I don't know about you, but the older I get, um, I, I, I just, I'm becoming more aware of how sort of flawed and in need of God's grace I am. You know, I think there's this thing where the more God changes you, the more you realize you need to be changed. Uh, and I'm just becoming more aware of that. And I think that's an important part of growing in the gospel as well. You realize how much you need the gospel. You know, the, the gospel is not something we simply accept and then move on. And that is, honestly, that is so the norm in evangelical and charismatic churches. You know, you accept it and you move on. You get on with the rest of your life. And we focus on other things. But it's not something we just accept and move on. You know, doing that is like buying a car, driving it home from the showroom and parking it on your drive and never driving it again. You know, that, that's what it's like, you know. And we're, you know, we're not to do that. No, no, the cars are there to be used. They're there to make your life better. They're, they're not there to just sit there and park it up and look at it. And the same with the gospel. It's there to... It's there to be used. It's there to help us in life. It's, help, it's there to, for us to grow in and for, us to keep, for it to keep challenging us and changing us. You know, we're never done learning how to live and apply the gospel in our lives. I mean, just go back to the definition. Where is that definition? I'm not sure if I can find it. But the, the definition of the gospel. The gospel is the, can we say it? The good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. And like the reality is, you think, okay, what has that got to do with me in everyday life? But you know, so often we can condemn ourselves, can't we? So often we can feel that maybe God condemns us and we got to go back to that and be like, no, there's no condemnation. You know, it freezes. We've got to go back to that and continually allow ourselves to be changed by that. So I'm going to finish very soon. But I just want to share practically how we can do that. How do we grow in our understanding of the gospel? And I just want to share a few things that have helped 
me grow in my understanding of the gospel. First thing that helps us grow in our understanding of the gospel is have an open posture. Have an open posture. I went to Max, it must have been a few weeks ago. Max is my, how was he now? Six, six-year-old son, and he was, he, was, he was doing his spellings or some word, right? I got some words. And I, I just looked at one of the words he'd written, and I said, Max, that word's spelt wrong. And he just went, no, it's not. And I was like, yeah, it is. Actually, that letter's the wrong way around. No, it's not. Um, and it was quite hard to actually get through to him, really, because he was adamant that he'd written the word correctly and that the S was the right way around. Um, and I couldn't get through to him. And sometimes we can be like that, though. We can have that kind of closed posture of, like, I don't want to know. And actually, it's important that we have an open posture, an open posture to God and what he's saying, not just assuming that you already know everything having a willingness to learn and, and having a willingness for your views to be challenged as well, which, by the way, is very countercultural <laughs> to be willing to have your views challenged. And we see, and we see Peter wrestle with this, this new truth that God had revealed to him. But to his credit, what he did, he had an open posture. He didn't immediately reject it and be like, no, the, the, the gospel can't possibly be going to the non-Jews. No, no, he didn't immediately reject it just because he didn't quite get it immediately. No, he had an open posture and eventually he received it. Second thing I think that really helps us when it comes to growing in the gospel is, is asking the Holy Spirit regularly to show you your blind spots. You know, I, I realized, I think it was about a year or two, that I had a, a blind spot. I... I subconsciously believed that God's overwhelming feeling towards me was disappointment. Now, it was a subconscious thing. It wasn't, it was just, it was there. You know, I, I almost had this belief that how God felt about me was a bit like, oh, he sinned again, <laughs> you know, tut, 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 you know, and almost like God's there being like, good job, my grace is never ending, or he would get to the end of it, you know, that kind of just, yeah, he loves me, you know, he loves me, but is also just a bit like, gosh, come on, get yourself together, that, that, just, and I realized the Holy Spirit revealed to me that, yeah, you, you have that belief underneath the surface there, and the Holy Spirit revealed to me how God actually feels towards me is like how a father feels to his child who has a terrible disease you know you ever seen that that picture of that little you know five or six year old kid in a hospital with like cancer and, and the parents are there and you can just see the love in their eyes for their child you know that, that the parents hate the disease but they you know they love the child and, and there's almost something of like on one level that the presence of the disease draws out more love and compassion for the child. And that's how God sees me, and that's how God sees you. And in terms of our sin, there's that compassion, that love that he sees. His child has this terrible disease, and he loves them, and he delights over them. And, and that was a game changer for me, an absolute game changer for me, just in my spiritual walk with the Lord, really, to have that. So that's something that helps us grow in the gospel is to ask the Holy Spirit to regularly show you your blind spots. Third thing is helpful. I'm not going to say too much about this is, is read some Christian books that are going to help open your mind to some of that kind of stuff. Um, and even some that are like slightly outside of your Christian niche. You know, like 
there are things to learn from theologians who aren't from the conservative reform corner of Christianity. <laughs> like, you know, there is, you know, so sometimes it's a good thing to do, you know. I, and actually, when I look at some of the times when God has really, like, deepened my understanding of the gospel, it's through certain books that I've read. I remember reading a book a while back, and it had a bunch of chapters on loads of different areas of church life, and I thought, oh, I'm looking forward to read that, 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 and that. And then I did a chapter on the gospel, and I was like, well, I'd, I know that already, but I read the chapter and it was like, whoa. And it, honestly, it was just like nourishment for my soul. So can I encourage you just, yeah, on, on Christian books and reading Christian books and the importance of that. Fourth thing that is really helpful for us to grow in the gospel is being in fellowship with other believers. Now, I'm preaching to the converted here, really, because you're all here, aren't you? So, you know, that's good. But even just this two weeks ago when we were a community group. Um, we were doing this Bible study uh, in, on King David, and we were looking into how David is like Jesus. And just in the community group, I just noticed all these things that point to Jesus. David is being sent to Saul to play music for Saul. And the, the passage says, David was the shepherd out with the sheep. Jesse called him in, stuck him on a donkey, gave him bread and wine. He was from Bethlehem. They sent him with a goat to Saul. And I'm just like, whoa, the imagery here. Look, bread, wine, Jesus, you know? The donkey, right? Like, Jesus, the scapegoat, Jesus. Bethlehem, where Jesus was from. He was a shepherd, Jesus. He's like, whoa. And like, I wouldn't have discovered that stuff if it wasn't a community group. That is what's good about being in community and fellowship with other believers. And the final thing, now not the final thing, but the final thing I'm going to talk about today that helps us grow as the gospel. I know some of you getting excited. Right, we're done. But the final thing I want to share that helps us grow in our understanding of the gospel is studying the word, studying the word. Now, I'm someone who loves to highlight things. I'm a proper highlighter. I've got like 12 different colors of highlighters at home. So like my Bible is full of all highlights and sometimes little things written in the margins. And then after a while, you have to buy a new Bible because there's so much stuff written in it. So I love to do that. And that's the way I love to study and learn. And like, I don't ever want to get to the point where I've got a clean Bible, you know, because it means I'll have stopped studying it. You know, when I'm a 90-year-old in a nursing home somewhere, if I get to that age, I still want to have that Bible covered and stuff. I want to keep studying it. You know, I love the story of St. Augustine, the 4th century theologian who, when he was dying, he was bedridden. He couldn't leave his bed anymore. He was so ill. So he asked someone to stick some pages of the Psalms on the ceiling of his bedroom so that he was lying there. He could just still study God's Word. Brilliant stuff. So let's keep studying God's Word. So those are just some things I feel can help us grow in our understanding of the gospel. But I just want to say, as we get to the end here, just a reminder that the gospel is for who? Everyone, yeah? Even who? Us. us. Uh, yeah, no, someone's like Jesus. The answer's always Jesus. Yeah, kind of. Well, it's actually us today. Yeah, the, it's for us. The gospel is for us. And my prayer for us this year as CCM Heatons is that we would, we would grow in our understanding of the gospel. And as a result of that, we would, we would flourish in life and we'd live the good life. According to Jesus, we live the good life according to Jesus because we've grown in our understanding of the gospel and, and that we would get in that car, you know, and by the way, the car in the illustration is not like an Audi, it's a Ferrari, okay? We'd get in that car on the driveway and we'd be like, yes, this is good. And our hearts would be changed and there'd be freedom and there'd be no condemnation and we could just live life with a 
I don't know, like that easy yoke that Jesus talks about. And even when bad stuff comes and hard things come, there's just a, yeah, but there's a different perspective. That's what I want for us as individuals to, to have that, to have that beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's stand. We're going to pray now. The band are going to come back and, and lead us in worship. I just want to bring up that definition of the gospel again. I know I've made you read it like 16 times already. But I just want to bring that back up again. I'm just going to read that to us. Maybe just close your eyes and just listen to this. This is what we are about. This is what our lives are built on. This is our hope. This is the thing we cling to. These words, the gospel The good news that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins and rose again, eternally triumphant over his enemies, so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy.